Okay, hello. I got to say hello to the Allison campus, uh, which um, I just want to say hello again to those I saw at the Allison campus just a few minutes ago in real time. Um, but today we are on our third message of hostage about breaking free, and we've talked about breaking free from bitterness and worry, and today we want to talk about breaking free from anger. As I think about that word anger, of all the states that we struggle with, um, anger has to be the most fiery one. I, I, I was looking up the definition of anger, and of course, other words to describe anger included rage and fury and indignation. Um, and of course, as we wrestle with what does it mean to be angry and why, why do we have this um, response, this emotional reaction, it's when we perceive a wrong or an injustice has happened, whether to someone else or to ourselves. Um, and, and even though we may say bitterness is a poisonous root, which the Bible teaches us, we know anger is like a fire. Um, anger is intense and powerful. It, it's amazing, right? You watch these clips of people demonstrating anger, um, and they're... And it's something I think we all can identify with. And of course, after the fact, when those people are watching those very same clips of them just totally losing it, often they feel ashamed. They go, I can't believe I, I let my anger get a hold of me that way. And of course, for us, when we in anger lash out or say things or do things that later on we're regretting, we, we can't believe we allowed our anger to go, take us in that direction. Well, we come today to um, um, talk about anger. And the, the core passage I want us to look at is found in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27. And the Bible here teaches us in this verse about the emotion of anger. It's dangerous when we let it control us. Letting anger control you is dangerous. Let's hear the word of God. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Notice that. In your anger, do not sin. The Bible here does make a distinction between feeling the emotion of anger and yet not allowing it to become a moment where sin occurs or where the devil can have room in your life to wreak havoc. Now, we often try to create a distinction here between anger and sin. We say it's, it's, it's not a sin to feel anger, but of course this passage points out to us that when we're angry, the possibility to sin is very close. It's, if you're following along in your smart device, you know, um, or your tablet or whatnot, you know, on the Uversion app, the whole outline's there. But one passage I don't have in the outline, which you can make a note of if you're making notes here, is the story when Jesus was angry. It's found in Mark chapter 3. It's a fascinating story because it really was, he really is angry. In fact, the same Greek word that is used there to describe his anger is also the same Greek word here we read in Ephesians where it says, in your anger, do not sin. It's interesting in, in the story where Jesus is angry, it's the Sabbath, and he has religious leaders watching him, and he comes into to, um, a, a temple and sees that there's a man with a deformed hand. 
And of course, his enemies, the religious leaders, are waiting for him to break the Sabbath law. And, and there, Jesus is looking at these religious leaders saying, you're more worried about a law being kept than me demonstrating God's power in this person's life by healing his hand. And at that moment, it says he looked at them all angrily, and he felt tremendous sadness because of their hardness of heart. Now, what's fascinating is that what he does next with his anger which is a good indication of where we need to go with our anger. Rather than lashing out at them, and remember, Jesus had the power to call down 10,000 angels right at that moment. He just could have gone, you know what? I'm really ticked off. Poof, 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 poof. But he didn't. Instead, his response was showing love and mercy to the one who was in need. Now, think about that. He was angry and yet he expressed it by showing love and mercy. Now, now, here's the thing. If you want to be angry, and every time you're angry, you're expressing love and mercy, you go ahead and be angry. You can be, you can be Jesus angry anytime you want. But let's be honest. The reason why the Bible here warns us about anger is that so often we don't have that response to anger, right? Instead, we know that when we live in our anger... It's a place for sin to take place. It's a place for the devil to get a foothold, to get space in our soul and wreak havoc. <coughs> you know, when I think about how, what are the dangerous consequences of anger, we just have to go back to the very beginning of Scripture in Genesis chapter 4. And all of you who know your Bibles well know what happens in Genesis chapter 4, right? It's the story about Cain and Abel. Let me read you. Um, what happened there? Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve's uh, two sons. It says, when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd, while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of the firstborn from the lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain... Very, guess what the next word is? Angry. That's right. Angry. And he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. See, that's the danger with anger, right? It puts sin right on the door of our souls, right on the door of our minds, on the door of our hearts, on the door of our emotions, so that we act out in the anger that we're feeling at the moment. You know, this is why we need to get a grip on anger. This very powerful feeling, if it's not mastered, makes room for wrongdoing, for sinful behavior, and Satan's destructive influence to take over. So let me read that verse again from Ephesians. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. It's interesting that in this verse 2, and if you're looking at the outline there, you can see we have a little clock that fits into this. Because we're recognizing that the longer you live in your anger, the more time you give to your anger, the more time sin and Satan 
have an opportunity to grab you. You know, letting anger control you and me is dangerous. Listen to this interesting study done on children regarding their parents. Secondhand stress is a big problem for kids. In a recent survey, researcher Alan Galinsky interviewed more than 1,000 children in grades 3 to 12. Galinsky asked the children to grade their parents on a dozen scales. Overall, the parents came out with high marks with their kids. Moms had an overall GPA of 3.14. That's like a good solid B. Dads got an average grade of 2.98. Don't be discouraged, dads. We still made a decent mark. But this one was interesting in her studies. Anger management was most parents' Achilles heel. More than 40% of the kids gave their dads and moms a D or an F when it came to controlling his or her temper when I do something that makes them angry. I mean, when we think about anger, we sometimes think, of course, you know, we look at, at coaches losing it and da-da-da. But the scariest places of anger is between spouses and between parents to their children. Because that's behind closed doors, and nobody knows about it. You know, anger can also show up in places you least expect it. I came across this kind of interesting story about an angry judge. Imagine going to this courtroom. Clifton Williams was headed into the courthouse in Joliet, Illinois, to support his cousin who was going to be sentenced. At the precise moment that Judge Daniel Rozak was reading the sentence, Clifton let out a loud yawn. Oh. Because of that ill-timed yawn, the judge cited Clifton for contempt of court and handed down a sentence of six months jail time. Now remember, he just showed up to support his cousin, and while the sentencing's going on, he yawns, you're going to prison for six months. Ironically, his cousin, who was scheduled to be sentenced, got probation. But Clifton, who went to court to support his cousin, would go, went straight to jail. In the aftermath of this story, discussions ensued on cable news channels about judicial power and about Judge Rozak's history of passing down extreme contempt charges and even about the nature of yawning. Clifton's father argued that a yawn is an involuntary action. The prosecutor in the courtroom that day said, oh, it wasn't just a simple yawn. It was a loud and boisterous attempt to disrupt the proceedings. Was Clifton's yawn a premeditated first-degree offense? Will the truth about the yawn ever emerge? However innocuous or flagrant the yawn, Clifton Williams probably wishes he had held it in. In the end, though, here's the rest of the story. Clifton only served a few days of the six-month sentence, but after the case was over, questions still lingered. Was the judge's penalty excessive, or was the judge just angry? You know, when anger controls us, though, evil really is present. Let me just show you this one other story I came across. Journalist Hunter Thompson, a longtime contributor to the Rolling Stone magazine and author of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, committed suicide in 2005 at the age of 67. His addiction to drugs and alcohol and his abusive actions towards others were no secret. After his death, his first wife, Sandy Conklin Thompson, wrote... He was, on one hand, 
extremely loving and tender, brilliant and exciting, generous and kind. On the other end of the spectrum, and he was a full spectrum, he was extremely cruel. I'll never forget something Hunter once said to me. In one of his tender moments, I asked him if he knew when he, when he was about to become the monster full of anger. And he said, Sandy, it's like this. I sense it first, and before I have completely turned around, he is there. He is me. So how do you express anger? You know, there's two way, wrong ways to handle anger. Firstly, firstly there are stewers, and, and secondly, there are spewers. So you, you can do a little t- check here. Are you a stewer or are you a spewer? Okay, here we go. Stewer. What about stewers? Well, stewers, if you're taking note, write this down. They suppress it. In Psalm 32.3, the Bible says this. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away and I groaned all day long. Um, you know, stewers, you emotionally shut yourselves down. You stuff things. You put a wall up to those you love around you. Um, you, you keep it all inside. You, and here's the thing. You think by putting the wall up, it protects you, but it also stops you from feeling any other support coming your way. And it also makes your insides a real churn. You know, you hide it. You don't talk about it. You don't communicate it. And the worst thing about this anger, when you put it down inside of you, it eats your soul alive. You know, you want to deny and block out those feelings of anger because you hate those feelings. You just want to push them down somewhere and bury them so that you'll never have to look at the garbage again. And yet, it stews and it brews and it churns up inside of you. Okay, so, so um, that's the stewers, okay? Now, maybe you're a spewer instead. Write this down if you're taking notes. Spewers express it, Okay? Stewers, they suppress it, but stewers express it. Proverbs 29, 11, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Here's a pastor story I came across. He said, I had lunch not so long back with a nice guy, and he said he had an anger problem. Now, I can relate to that. I get angry sometimes myself, and he went on to share a story how he lost his temper And in that moment that he lost his temper, his whole life changed. He was visibly shaken as he started to share his story. He was home one day, and he was angry. And in a moment, he lost his anger, and he got his fist, and he hit his wife, and he hit his child. And as he went on to share that moment when he lost control, his life changed forever. He went to jail. He lost his marriage. He lost custody of his kid. And you may be saying, well, I would never lash out like that and hit somebody. Well, maybe you don't think you could lose your temper by hitting someone physically, but maybe you've hit them with your fist with words, and in your moment you've lost control. You said something unthinkable like, I wish I had never married you. Or maybe you said, I wish I've never had you. Or maybe your words are a little more subtle, but just as potent. So what did you do all day anyway? Or, where's dinner? Or, you call that dinner? Or, you'll never amount to anything. Words are powerful. There's life and death in the tongue, the Bible says. And spewers, I should say, express it. And they leave a path of devastation behind them as they do. 
So are you a stewer or are you a spewer? So what do we do with anger? Well, let me leave you with, with these three action steps that the Bible teaches us. The first thing we need to do with anger is we do need to crucify it. Listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and have crucified them there. You know, the Bible teaches us that the kingdom of God, this is where we need to get rid of rage and anger and malice and slander. Anger falls into that group of categories that the kingdom of God has nothing to do with. We can no longer justify or rationalize our anger and say, well, that's just my personality. That's just the way I am. Or even if you're a stuffer or a steward, you just go, well, I'm going to deal with my anger this way. I'm just going to stuff it down. No, we need to crucify it. We need to nail it to the cross. And when we say we're nailing it to the cross, what we're trying to say is this. The sin of anger has no longer power over us for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Yes, we still always have the capacity to get angry, but we also have a choice we can make. We no longer have to give in to it. We must commit the sinful expressions of anger to God and daily crucify them. We need to nail that anger that's turned ugly to the cross and turn to the Holy Spirit's power to overcome the sin of anger. We have to really believe that God in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, wants to help us rid ourselves of these things that are so destructive. We have to crucify it. We can no longer justify it. The second action step is we need to prepare for anger. In Galatians 5.16, just a few verses back, it says this, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. You know, when you're not angry, it's a good time to think about how you manage your anger. This, when you're not feeling angry right now, ask yourself, how does Jesus want me to deal when I'm feeling angry? How should I express it? How do I, how do I express anger the way Jesus expresses it? Where I move, instead of lashing out or abuse or hurt or destruction, I move towards mercy and love and grace. And I even let that anger push me in that direction in that way, as Jesus showed us. But how do I do that? Listen. The Bible here says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What does that mean? Being led by the Holy Spirit means this. It means that you're saying, Lord, help me to hear from you. Help me to start looking at myself and really saying, how does Dave deal with anger? How do I deal with anger? How do we deal with anger in our family? How do we deal as parents when we're angry with our children? How do I deal with anger as a boss with my employees? How do I deal as an employee when I'm angry at my boss? How do I deal with it? And I ask for God's grace to help speak into my life. And, I, and when I read the word of God, I say, God, help me to understand your word and where I can be obedient to you in this. And finally, I need to say, Lord, help me to be sensitive to the Spirit's promptings as I'm dealing with my anger. You know, when we're led by the Spirit, again, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. What we'll end up doing is this. We're going to keep Jesus before us when we're tempted to let anger take us down roads that hurt and harm. Instead of anger, we're going to let the words of Christ be in our mind. We're going to let the love of Christ be in our actions. And we're going to let the power of Christ help us to master anger. 
Because it will be a battle. But we have Jesus by our side. We have the Spirit of Christ in us. So we need to crucify our anger instead of justify it. We need to prepare for it when we're not feeling angry and let the Holy Spirit guide us. And finally, we need to get help for our anger. In James 5.16, this is one of those verses you just need to commit to memory. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And of course, it goes on to talk about the power of prayer. But it's the first part of that verse that I really want you to focus in on tonight, or today, I should say. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. See, the truth is, anger may now have ingrained itself in your life. You have angry responses to your children. You have an angry response to your spouse. You have an angry response to your friends. You're just angry. And you don't know how to break free. And the place where it begins is where you can finally raise your hand with someone and say, I'm an angry person, and it's worn me out. It's not the way of Christ. I'm tired. I want to be free from this. I want to stop being angry. You know, often when you finally start getting help for your anger, you can finally have people who are going to help you to reflect and analyze why you are so angry. Often anger is rooted in us because we have an unmet need. It's often behind the feeling of anger. How can I express my need in a healthy way instead of an unhealthy way, in rage or in fury or in stuffing it down and feeling like a victim? How can people pray for me so I can take positive actions? It all begins when you finally say, I need help with my anger. Do you have the courage to go to someone who's a close friend of yours and saying, am I an angry person? Do, do, do I express myself in an angry way? Do you see anger in me? Do you have the courage to be, even begin there about confessing your sins to one another? We've got to begin somewhere. Do you need to come and talk with me or with Pastor Carolyn? Or again, a, a trusted church leader or a counselor. Start with someone you trust. Anger is not the kingdom of God. Um, so in conclusion, where does your anger lie today? Maybe it's not so evident right now where you're sitting, but I want to ask you to ask yourself this. Are you angry about anything right now? I mean, maybe something happened just this week that's made you angry. Maybe something happened years ago and you're still angry. Maybe somebody took advantage of you and they offended you and they hurt you and every now and then you replay that offense in your mind and you get angry. Maybe you're angry at your life. You know, you look around, you think, man, this wasn't what I planned. I didn't expect to be here. And you look at your job and you're not really happy. You're actually angry at your boss because he takes advantage of you. You don't get paid what you think you're worth. Or maybe you look at your marriage and it's just not what you had hoped for. And if you're honest, there's some anger deep down inside. You're frustrated with your spouse. Or maybe you're angry at yourself. Some of the decisions you made weren't the best. And maybe you got yourself in so much debt, you don't know how you're going to dig out of it because of your bad decisions. And maybe you didn't finish college. Maybe you made the wrong decision on your career. And you're angry at yourself at the choices you made. 
And maybe you're angry at your work. Maybe you're angry at your friends. Maybe you're, maybe you're angry at God because you've prayed and prayed for something and it hasn't happened. You know, I was talking with a person this past week who said, I've gone through so much and I don't understand what God's putting me through all this for. And my fear for that person is that they're feeling angry. You know, if you're really honest with yourself, are you angry with God right now? Let me just remind you of this. And I need to remind myself of this. The way of Jesus says, do not let anger control you. It's not that you're not supposed to remember. Be angry, but do not sin. The way of Jesus says, don't let anger control you. Let's give it to him. And one more thing. Maybe some of you think God is like that judge in Illinois, just waiting for you to yawn so he can just slam you. And you think God's angry at you. Now, please understand something. The Bible says God is angry at the evil in the world. He's angry when the 800,000 Rwandans were slaughtered in 100 days. He's angry when he sees 27,000 children dying every day based on simple malnutrition needs that could be met. But instead, in North America, he sees $300 million spent on Halloween costumes for pets. He gets angry about those things. He gets angry at the evil in our own lives when we let sin ride into our lives and we make choices that destroy us and destroy others. He gets angry about that. He gets angry about abortions. He gets angry about all these things. But please understand something. That God expressed his anger through his love. And he sent Jesus to die on the cross so that the good news is that when Christ died on the cross, he took out all God's anger at our sin and the sin of the world and Jesus took it upon himself. He let the wrath of God, the Bible tells us, pour upon himself. And because of Jesus, we need not fear the wrath of God. Instead, we can come into the throne of grace boldly that we prayed earlier. But this is just for those who've trusted Christ. My simple question is, have you? So I just want to end this message on that. And I'm just going to pray this prayer. You can pray along with me. Jesus, thank you that you love me and that you died for me. In you, I know I'm free from God's anger and my sin. And in you, I can find freedom to overcome not just anger, but every other sin in my life. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me so that my sins would be forgiven. Be the Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you. Change me, make me brand new, and I pray this in in Jesus' name, amen and amen.